0: If you want to be a premier cop, then you need to learn from the premier police training company in the land. Of course, I'm talking about Street Cop Training. They've got dozens of instructors out in the field right now sharing their expertise in narcotics, interdiction, report writing, first aid, mental health, case law, and just quality police work. And those aren't even all the topics. There's literally something for everybody. I've attended several classes myself, and I can tell you that these folks cannot miss. Dennis Benino, the owner, is doing massive things for the world of law enforcement at a time when everyone else seems to be running away from it. Street Cop Training is literally the best in the business. Check out their private Instagram and join their law enforcement-only Facebook group to get free trainings, and then check out upcoming in-person and on-demand trainings at streetcop.com. You will not be disappointed. This episode of the 10A podcast is sponsored by TOC Public Relations, the only PR, marketing, and strategic communication firm that specializes in working with public safety agencies, associations, and businesses. TOC PR is also the parent company of Law Enforcement Social, which provides social media, PIO, and content creation training for all public safety. Be sure to check them out at TOCPublicRelations.com and Law Enforcement.social.
1: The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually.
2: They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department.
0: This week on the 108 podcast, Kapikaze with Captain Tom Brisson. You
2: know, I'm just trying to get my message out there. Don't respect yourself as a man. To leave not a thumbprint, but a soul print on some people. I wanted to get into something outside of law enforcement. One hundred little bits is better than one big bit. Scary, but cool. You beat me, I'll shake your hand like a man. We all know it's broken, yet we won't admit that it needs to be fixed. Reward the proactive behavior, put it where it belongs, and everybody enjoys the fruit. You see what I'm doing right now? I'm not giving you my opinion, that's a fact.
1: You um. You had. You you. You could. You do. You. You want. You. You could do so. You. You do. You could. You. You want. You want. Him to do you so much you could
0: do anything. (laughs) Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 228. This is the 108 podcast. I'm your host, 108. What is going on today? My guest is Captain Tom Rizzo of Street Cop Training. But before that, he was a and is a prominent law enforcement leadership figure uh, from my home state of New Jersey. Today's episode is about Tom's theories, Tom's philosophy on law enforcement, on leadership, and really just being a quality human being. We talk about the job. We talk about his new book called Kapikaze, A Crucible to Manage Mission Impossible, inspired by the Kamikaze soldiers from World War II. And it's really such an amazing Book is an amazing concept. We're going to break it down chapter by chapter. We've had a lot of authors on the show. This is the first one where we actually had the author break down chapter by chapter this specific book, because I believe, as I read it, uh, you guys need to hear it. You you guys need to absorb the information. I know cops and reading it doesn't always go hand to hand. It goes in hand to hand a lot more than we would think. Uh, But I wanted you guys to get kind of a preview of the book, so that way you are more prompted to go buy it if you like what Tom's saying jump on Amazon and pick up yourself a copy and then when we are all done with that when we're done kind of reinventing the wheel as far as law enforcement is concerned. Not really. It's not, it's not a, as Tom's going to say, it's not advanced physics, but it is something that maybe we just don't think about, you know, when we're, as we roll through our careers, things become very commonplace. So it's not all that though. It's not a very, I mean, it is a serious episode, but after that, we are going to have street cop family feud. My good friend, Kenny Williams is going to join the show and we are going to play family feud with Tom and Kenny and see who is going to come out on top. All that being said, folks, we have a lot to talk about and a little time to do it, so I'm not going to take up any more of your time. We're going to go right into the show today. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. And I did just want to kind of point out, kind of, we have a new sponsor on the show. That's right, my good friend Tamron. And by good friend, I mean I met her over the internet because that's how we do it as adults. My good friend Tamron owns this company. It is called TOC Public Relations, and it is the parent company of Law Enforcement Social. And basically, they exist, so your department or your business or whatever, social media and other marketing, public relations, doesn't suck. I mean, we've all seen the police department where all they do is they fax or they uh, they scan their media release and they show that to the public and they go, hey, this is what's going on. Tamron isn't about that. She's about making good content that people want to see. It's going to engage the community. And listen, I've talked about it before, you can't change the mind of your people, but as you make it more accessible and you provide more information, it's truly what you need. So if you are in the position in a law enforcement agency or a business or some kind of association and you want to get a good, healthy, and just enticing and engaging social media presence out there, you want to hit up my girl Tamron and her company. Now she's got two of them. You got tocpublicrelations.com and you also have Law enforcement They're all on the social medias. Of course, they would be. Why wouldn't they be? Go check them out. Their link is going to be attached to our show today. They are a new sponsor. We're working together. We're getting a partnership going and uh, go check them out. At least follow them on Instagram. Tell them that I sent you. And, uh, you know, she'll she'll show you. You can see all of her stuff and she'll kind of give you an idea of what she does. And maybe she can help your department, too. On that note, folks, let's get right to the episode. Here we go. My interview with Mr. Tom. Rizzo, the sisters. All right, everybody, coming in live from the state of New Jersey, the wonderful state of New Jersey, with all of its uh, wonderful—I I don't even know where to put it. Uh, we have Captain Tom Rizzo of Street Cop Training. How are you, sir?
2: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely, this was a uh, this is a long time coming, as a as a, yeah. a lot of them. We've been kind of hitting and missing, and uh, you were on the leadership episode last summer. You're on the leadership episode that was. Uh, last week. And now it's finally time to have you talk on -on one-on-one. So I really appreciate your time.
2: Oh man, Uh, like I said, uh, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm humbled.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm really appreciative. Um, So for everyone that doesn't know you, that uh, may not know Street Cop, may not know uh, your position within it, um, let's go ahead and just have you introduce yourself um, as an officer, as an instructor and all that, just kind of give you your resume. And uh, we'll go from there.
2: Cool. Um, Yeah, so I'm currently in my 21st year. Uh, I'm a captain right now. I oversee the investigations division uh, of a municipal police department here in New Jersey. Uh, You know, I've been teaching. I've been blessed uh, to have been teaching ever since attending the West Point Command and Leadership Academy as a sergeant. And, uh, you know, I went back uh, after attending as a student. uh, I was invited back to instruct. I guess they were crazy enough to have me. Um, so that was my, you know, entry into the instruction field, and I guess ever since then I just had this insatiable curiosity to, um, I guess, question tradition and, and very inquisitive. So the more I taught, the more I wanted to get exposed to other theories and be a thief myself to just put out a better product in hopes that people would actually gain something from it, right? Uh, so I've been involved in the college game as an adjunct for over twelve years now um and then i started teaching you know uh, specifically with police officers and, and i was proactive i started it my you know i started our municipality's first ever criminal interdiction team a criminal suppression unit um and i tell you you know it was from that that i just had this like i said the desire to just network and and reach out and lo and behold comes the the marriage with street cop in that I thought I was good with case law, you know, until I met the owner of the company and he humbled me quite, you know, uh, quickly in terms of, uh, how, how much of an expert he was, uh, being Dennis. And, uh, so I wanted to do case law and I didn't know, uh, he said, what else do you have? I said, I actually have a leadership course, but I didn't think that they were in that genre of instruction and I shared it with him. Uh, he really dug it and, and it's kicked off from there. I've been in God. I think, uh, 26 states now, so um, you know, getting it out there and and part of my journey was always to you know get my thoughts to paper. And I had a bucket list dream to write a book, Uh, and I've done that now. So you know, I'm just trying to get my message out there to leave not a thumbprint, but a soul print on some people, in hopes that you know, by the time you know my my time comes and goes, that I will have known that it was worth something.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely, and I think that's that's such a good idea and good goal to have when when i was starting my career i never liked the idea of hey these people are going to forget you as quickly as you showed up exactly. i was like well, you know i want to have some kind of lasting impression and and a good one at that just you know yeah it's it it's fine you know doing the day in day out work if if that you know if i don't put a dent into cr- you know crime or criminality that's fine but at, at least the peers around me i've always been inspired to influence them or, or just kind of have a stake in their lives just because that's who I am. You know, I, I, enjoy helping people, uh, even beyond law enforcement. So by you saying that, and you know, you saying that you want to leave what you say as a soul print on people that, that really resonates with me when you started teaching in the adjunct professor capacity, what were you teaching? Are you teaching law enforcement based stuff or was it something else?
2: Oh, no. Uh, so at the time uh my wife uh owned a hair salon uh in, in a in princeton new jersey over near the university so i had a little taste uh i i helped her i, I actually did the construction but i helped her behind the scenes a bit with some of the management and i just uh, i wanted to get into something outside of law enforcement that's what we do on a daily basis you know i felt like i could be more effective uh, if I built relationships with people outside of the field and I could learn myself as much as have them learn about us in a perspective and see us in a perspective that they're not quite used to. Uh, so it wouldn't be until the ends of the semesters that I would share what I did for a living and all of a sudden, you know, to their surprise, right? So uh, a lot of management, a lot of leadership philosophy. I, I've dabbled in some criminal justice and some security stuff, uh, but the the overwhelming majority was management based hr leadership philosophies dark leadership transformational leadership and the like and again i mean having exchange students from other countries i mean some of the personalities um ultra liberal you know oppositionists you name it and and man what a cool challenge that is to be able to you know break down a couple barriers that way and you know going back to what you just said i say all the time um i i pale in comparison to some of the pros that you know And I and you and I share relationships with, you know, like the Kenny Williams, like the Brad Gilmores, like the Rob Ferrero's. Um, I was pretty good. uh, But I'll tell you this. I just know that for every one person I locked up, yeah, do you make a difference? Sure do. And I do believe that. But how much more of a difference could you make? How much more effective could you be if you inspired a hundred other police officers to go out there and just do a little bit, you know, 100 little bits is better than one big bit right so Mm -hmm. i guess i kind of had that baptism and that you know realization that epiphany where it was just like maybe i could be more effective doing this so as much as i get itchy every time i see a certain you know uh, reaction to my presence go by still um you know i've just found it to be more effective if i can inspire more people to do it the right way and now in a leadership component to keep your folks humbled and being empathetic to keep them driven to keep doing it on a daily basis, right?
0: Yeah. So what was it in your life or your career that made you want to kind of take that route, you know, and kind of be more of a behind the scenes or, you know, like you said, a million little bits, what made you kind of shift your focus to that? Or was that something you always had?
2: You know, uh, I say this proudly, uh, hurt people hurt people. And I started to become that same disease right because I've been treated poorly um, So what you turn that inward that inward aggression turns to anxiety turns to depression? And then you go into your rabbit hole, right? So I said man, how cool would it be if I can effectuate change and how can I really and truly effectuate change you know, in a public safety uh, sector, is you ha- you have to get promoted, right? You have to you have to be a player in the game to to truly effectuate procedural change. Let's say, right? Um, so, although I preach and I strongly believe in leaderships as is a perspective, I mean that in your self discipline. I knew that if I wanted to affect organizational change, I had to do something about it and uh and like i said i i I could vividly remember the moment when i came home and told my wife that i was going to go for promotion to her surprise and all because basically i was uh in, in so many terms ordered to arrest somebody during a domestic situation that i knew uh should not have been arrested but yet here we go you've heard this story before right you have the supervisor doesn't know what they're doing so i said i could either continue to be miserable and take direction from somebody who couldn't lead sardines out of a can, or I could take the bull by the horns and do it on my own.
0: Nice. And and what what point of your career was that? How many years were you in when you decided to make that jump?
2: I was a young buck. Uh, I was minimally, uh, so I came to my current department with a couple of years under my belt already because I had started in a different department. So That's why I was talking about change. Scary, but cool. But yeah, I had the minimum five years and nobody knew me. So the beauty of it was, I was a dark horse, and, and I say this again with humility. Uh, yeah, I smoked the test, not because I'm smart. You know, there's just a there's a trick to the trade. That's all. They have these prep groups. They have all this stuff. So uh, I say this proudly because I got promoted and I smoked the test and came out number one. But I'll tell you this right now: I, I wish, I wish it was based upon the metrics of leadership ability. Sure, because mm-hmm. I'll put myself right there, and if you beat me, I'll shake your hand like a man. Um, but telling me it's because I could memorize 100 multiple choice questions or some guideline. What is that? That's not leadership, man.
0: You know, I feel like that's the problem with our leadership and our promotional exercises. I actually spoke to uh, the one guest that wasn't in the, the panel with us for the last week's episode, Michelle, when she came on later, I said, you know, the problem with our leadership and promotional uh, experience is that you can't, a lot of times, at least at my former agency, um, it was the test. And then it was an oral board, both of which were proctored by people that were not from in-house. So they didn't know the candidates from Adam. They were literally just looking at it with a, with a blind eye or not a blind eye, but like with an, an uh, um, unfamiliar eye, which I can see a benefit. You know, if you're buddy, buddy with somebody, then that doesn't yep. exist. But also yep. you don't know what this person's like as yep. a leader and as a, uh, as a partner. And, and yeah. as you say all the time, it's one thing to lead the people, but it's also another thing to, uh, you know, work with the people and see how you um, get along with them. And, yeah. y- you know, what is there? Is that something we can change as far as, you know, 100
2: percent, 100 percent. And it's by it's by talking about the pink elephant in the room. We all know it's broken, yet we won't admit that it needs to be fixed. And all I'm trying, and, and we talk about liability, and we talk about this, and we talk about that. What I laugh about is it's a simple metric. I've always been a proponent of a green red system. You get a pool of candidates that you have to have a basic skill assessment. Of course, you do, right? Come on, we don't need supervisors that don't know the basic skills. But when you talk about metric for leadership ability, right, and who's an innate leader, it's so simple. I say this all the time we have paid internships. And what I mean by that is, show me an example. There is no answer to this quiz in a book somewhere. Show me an example of when you've influenced somebody outside of yourself. I don't care if it's in a youth sport league. I mean, if you can transfer belief, I don't care if it's to a younger sibling. I don't care if it's to a a best friend, a, a spouse, a parent. If you could transfer belief, show me intangible proof that you have transferred your belief into somebody else, and it's resulted in a practical application of a behavior. And the rest we could work out. We act like we don't have guidelines and directives and policies and low, and, and laws at our fingertips. If you get stuck on a statute, you can look it up. Let's stop pretending that it's got to be memorialized in our brains. It doesn't, it doesn't impress me when guys could do that. Sure. But if you know the fruit of it, and and then you could do what you could also affect people's behavior around you. You're th- then there it is. And what in the green red? So now if your background is doing podcasts, and we have an opening for a supervisor position in our podcast bureau, well, what what does the private sector do? <laughs> they don't go down to the oil change division. They go to their would bees, right? Instead, what we do is we take some we take a metric. That shows, like, sometimes the best players. Yeah, great. That doesn't mean the best player turns out to be the best coach. I think we would all agree.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's seen throughout. You know, whatever analogy you want to do. You know, and what I've noticed is sometimes you get someone who was a great street cop. They did great. Sure. But then they get stripes on their their arms, and they're horrendous. They, they can't do anything, and it and to the yeah. point where like the people that are subordinate to them. Yeah said, hey, this guy's going to be a great sergeant, and then he wasn't. Because, And a lot of times I've noticed that those are the ones that tend to be the more micromanaging and kind of – You know why? Go ahead.
2: Well, because look at them. They're very good at what they do. They're task-oriented. So, again, we don't have the humility or the common sense as administrators to say what. And I'm not gloating right now. I have one who is a personal friend. He was my guy. Told him to his face, you do not have the ability to be supervision, yet you hit the ball out of the park with the way you work. So what is he now? He's a task force officer with the feds and doing things he would have never done, being exposed to just my municipality. So what am I going to do? Am I going to handcuff him and say sorry? Am I going to blindly promote him because he's proactive as hell? No. Why would I do that? So what do you do? You round pegs, round holes, reward the proactive behavior, put them where it belongs, and everybody enjoys the fruit. This isn't advanced yeah. physics, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're 100% right. When you have someone, and I think you've said it before, and I've heard it time and time again, when you see guys on the line and they are not supervisors, maybe they're not even your best operators, but you can yeah. tell who is the true leader in that pack. those are the ones that you're going to want to start grooming and kind of gearing towards promotion. And a lot of times, and I've noticed that when you have these guys that again, they're not the highest performer, but they have the trust of everyone around them. Yeah. They're, they're kind of pushed the other way. They're like, come on, man, you need to perform more. Like why? If, if, if I'm not, if I'm that guy and I'm not doing poorly, I'm just, you know, kind of treading at a seven right? Let's just say I'm trending out of seven. You want me at a 13, but that's not me. That's not my character. Okay. Then, but I'm a 10 as a leader. That's where, like you said, round pings, round holes. You got to start facilitating what you got.
2: Okay. So you just use the F word and that's what I say all the time. It's almost like you stole it. I don't believe in being a good operator. I believe leaders are good facilitators. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I spot a guy or a girl that has the ability that knows to look right and look left, and that's the go-to, and their egos aside. Like, they say, hey, you know what? Traffic's not my dish. I know Charlie's my man for that. Hey, narcotics aren't my dish. I know this guy is my man for that. Hey, uh, I, th- you know, tech is not my deal. I, I know she's the person for that. That, to me, that's not a lazy cop. That's a smart cop. Instead of beating their chest saying, no, 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 no I'm the man. I'm the man. I'm going to just do it. I stay away from them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And at also, you promote that guy, and you've got the 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 pride and the ego that you've got to get around too. And that's another thing that makes someone a, yep. a less than effective leader because you know they got to get out of their own way first. And that's probably one of the biggest hurdles that you got to jump.
2: All right. Like I said, man, I, I saw this this very interesting interview, and a guy's a shaman, and he's talking about. It. He's like, you know what's crazy? He's like, if you didn't brush your teeth for a week. He said, everybody in the room would know that your breath stunk. And he goes, and what's crazy is your nose is right above your own mouth and you'd be the last person to know. And that's the same way we do our leadership, right? Everybody else knows that we stink, but, you know, we ourselves are right in our own space and we're the last ones to know us because we don't, we don't, we lose perception of ourselves. So again, the way I always say is why not build a team that makes you stronger in the long run and makes it less tedious on you and how to do that? Ego aside.
0: Absolutely. I think you're spot on. We're going to get more into leadership in a minute when we talk about the book, but I do want to talk about the book and the book process. So, you said that uh, one of your lifelong bucket list items was writing yeah. a book. Where yeah. did that idea come from? How did you, you know, was it, you know, back when it was little Tom, you know, growing up, that you're like, oh man, I want to write? How'd that happen?
2: No, you know what it was? Uh, so, I always, I guess to a flaw, I'm always on to, and that's why I preach this so hardly now um I'm always on to the next right uh the next the next and and not living in the moment so i guess i i said you know what man i'm embarking at the time i said i'm embarking on my 20th year in this game and i've been openly and vocally critical about some of these things but what have i done to make it any different or any better than where and leave it off any better than where i inherited it and i talk about the job as a whole right So how how better to do that? Well, naturally, I'm blessed to have the opportunity to travel to states that otherwise I would have never had an interest in going to and meeting new folks, right? That's part of it. But, you know, the other part of it is, like I said, to be able to do something that can be translated in different languages and transcend the boundaries of even the United States. I mean, what cooler part to do that? So I guess for me, it was more about time, opportunity, and courage. And the reason why I say that is, uh, I can't tell you how many times I put the computer away because I just didn't believe that, especially in the industry we work in, you know, man, we have more haters than we do supporters mm-hmm. amongst our own ranks and not to criticize other cops, but I knew, uh, first off, I don't have the John Wayne story to tell, but if I did, I knew that those things are seem to be so monotonous now, you know, this one time I went down a dark alley with a bad guy, you know. And I said, yeah, I guess cops like to talk about those fireside chats. But I guess my attitude was I wanted to truly be able to penetrate a lot of different audiences to be most effective. But I didn't have the courage. And I tell this story openly in class. My youngest daughter was born with her lip and her tongue tied. And uh, so, so we had to have it surgically repaired. It was actually complications during the surgery. And to this day, you know, she's uh, bordering seven years old now. Um she uh, she has a speech impediment and uh, was delayed, so I remember I would just dare her. I kept daring her. Hey, don't worry, baby. You just keep talking. Everybody, I love you. Just you, just keep talking. I promise you, you'll have a voice and people will listen to it. So I kept daring her. Well, the one day I I put it I put the computer down. She said, "Well, Daddy, what you do? What you doing?" I said, "Well, you know, Daddy's trying to write this book, honey, but you know, a lot of police officers aren't fans when you do these types of things. So I don't know. I'm just I'm not feeling it." So she opened up the computer and said, Daddy, I dare you, and walked away. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I said, this little son of a gun, you know, she's throwing my own lessons back up in my face. Um, and I knew it was the time. I was like, let me just get this. Let let me get it going. I was blessed. I hooked that with Adam Davis um, from uh, Unconquered, um, Living Unconquered. He's part of the, uh, the team Never Quit with Marcus Luttrell. Um, so they helped mentor me, uh, on, on, you know, how the process was. I was so green. I had no idea how it worked. Um, and now, like I said, several thousand copies later, here I am. So, uh, humbled beyond belief.
0: You're right. And I get in my own head when I'm, you know, making my own content and putting it out. I'm like, ah, oh, cops are going to, you know, they're, they're going to foo-foo at this. Even, you know, I get, I get in my own head to the point where I stop look I have stopped looking at, you know, podcast downloads and, you know, what, how's this moving? How's this moving? Because, you know, you start looking at the metric and it's not accurate. Like if you look at it day to day, you're like, oh man, this was a bad day. Okay. But if you look at it from outside looking in, oh, it's been a really nice trend going. So it's to the point where I stopped checking the numbers. Um, And, you know, like you said, we have more haters than, than we don't, than we have supporters in this industry, which is so unfortunate. I think that's a lot to say about, you know, I think it's the, the alpha male or the alpha female, you know, just that alpha mindset where everyone wants to be better than the guy next to him. So how do we do that? We bring them down so we can go up. It's unfortunate.
2: Well, yeah. And, and and so what I've tried to do to kind of repair that is help other people. Hey, anybody else interested in doing this? You know, now I, I'd be humbled to help you. Um, and that's my point. I've always, I've always scoffed at like, I'm sorry. Hey, Charlie, did I stop you from writing a book? Like I, I didn't do anything to you. You know, I'm trying to legit get a message out there that not because I say it is cocky, but that I wish more cops would be able to say some of them have the fear of reprisal. Some of them have the fear of retribution, but I'm like, maybe this is the conversation we we should be having. It's not a love affair with police. It's a candid overview, but it's a way of explaining it. That in a way that I feel is unique. Right. Right. That hasn't really been said before. But then in addition to it serves as somewhat of an atlas. Right. For those getting in an almanac, for those getting going that the stuff that you're not going to be told. And I say this again, it's not a it's not a a gloat. I'm saying this regrettably. These are things I wish I had known then that I've come to know now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like your book, which by the way everyone that hasn't heard about it is called Kapikaze. and what's the subtitle to it?
2: So, it's a man it's a crucible to help manage Mission Impossible. And 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 where I obviously got Kapikaze from is because I do feel that the current environment, especially if we continue to go down this path, is legit like a Kamikaze mission. You know, I, I literally just got done with a symposium today where you know they they talk about state mandates that have been in effect since last summer. But yet, the funds are not there for us to purchase the state-mandated equipment. Um, the you, but man, all the penalties are there. You know what? All the penalties if we don't abide by this by every letter in the policy. And I'm like, this is exactly my point. And I don't, I don't care. You can't control clown politicians. We've talked about this before. Clowns are clowns. But again, law enforcement leaders that sit there and just go look. You know, blindly take this knowing, knowing it's a crash and burn mission. It'll never make sense to me.
0: No, not at all. The great thing about your book is that the ideas, they do transcend. Um, it's like, I was thinking about this. Like if I hand you a penal code for Florida, right. it's going to be completely right. different than the one up in New Jersey. Can't really apply it. But if I right. hand you a list of ideas you yeah. can apply that, and that's what I liked about your book as I read through it. And it it kind of is on the same level. And I have the other book in my on my shelf. Your book is in my work locker. Is by by Doctor Gil Martin the uh, um, yeah. the resiliency the, that one? Yes, yeah. emotional survival. Um, because they're ideas, they're theories. They're they're kind yeah. of um. All these different things that you can use no matter where you're working, no matter what yep. kind of time you have on. And I think there's a lot of good things to take from your book, um, no matter where you are in the career.
2: Well, and again, and and the other part of it, as you're talking from the policing perspective, the other thing that I know is so damn important is the work-life balance. So it's an explanation tool to our families and our loved ones, yep. right? not about the hey we laugh at some heinous cr- crime scenes because that's our way of dealing with it our our families have been told that repetitively that does not help no so it's again a way of offering that understanding to our families of the things that were not told to them the things that were not promised to them the fact that we tell everybody this is a selfless job when in fact it's selfish like i talk about why I make the decision to go into plain clothes and go after a drug dealer. I didn't ask my family, are they okay with that, when I could just sit on the side of the road and write radar tickets, right? So it's selfish in a lot of perspectives, and they take that ride along with us. And last but not least is a candid conversation with the oppositionists. You want to know about it, I'll tell you. You want to talk about quotas, I'll tell you. You want to talk about blue line, I'll tell you. There. You know, Mm -hmm. at least then you have the information. Do I think you're going to fly? You know, uh, we love our police flag at your house. No. And that wasn't my expectation. But I could tell you this much. If we haven't learned that that it's not advancing us at all to run out and hand out teddy bears, ice cream cones instead of tickets and all that crap, it's not working.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. It's not. And, you know, I talked to what we've talked about it. And I've talked to many different guests now at this point saying that, like, the police culture – well, there's two different sides of it. The police culture is very toxic, right? From right. from standing in your police department or your sheriff's office, whatever it is, very toxic. There's so much, uh, you know, you use the term Blue Falcon to keep it uh, PG-13. Uh, it's it's bad. You know, there's so yeah. so many guys stepping on each other to get ahead. And yeah. to the point where that's accepted behavior at this point.
2: 100%.
0: And it's, it's very... You know, now that that I've been off the road for for about six months now, and I've been looking at it, I'm going, how how is this going? And it almost to the point where I wonder if it's always been like this, or if it's proceeding to get worse as time goes on.
2: It's getting worse, and I and I'm telling you why. And, and you know what's ironic about that? And I say this, it's funny, not comedically, ironically funny. Contractual things, fringe benefits have gotten better. So if you mean to tell me. OK, cops are getting paid the most that they've ever get, gotten paid. So, aha, there's my aha moment where the reason why I said it is because I said this years ago, it's not about how you're getting ripped off. Stop. Se- I'm no. telling you that's no. not it. Oh, but if I only got another contract, if I only got one more bump. OK, well, you did that. Now what? Now what? I'm telling you what it is. We have adopted, we have adopted the same lunacy that we claim to contradict. And what I mean by that is when they come to us with this garbage, we sit there, the, the example I use is walk into Target tomorrow and walk over to guest relations and say, "I want a grilled steak." They're going to say, we don't do that. Crazy? With us, you turn around and say, okay, I want you to take my alligator and put it in my bird cage and clean my HVAC. And then we have some guy with, or girl with ranks, ribbons, scrambled eggs saying, you know, look what we do for our community who says that nice. we're supposed to do that yes
0: yes i have uh, wh- said this so many times like why is this a police matter why is there it's nobody not. why is there nobody getting on the radio or calling and saying we are going to stop responding to this kind of nonsense
2: charlie charlie year i say this in my book we were the go-to look at california alone or new york we were the go-to to deal with the despondent the homeless we were the go-to now, all of a sudden, we're no good for that anymore. I find that ironic. Yeah. Find that, it's like, well, you forget how many years we were the ones, do, like, we were doing pretty good with that, right? Mm-hmm. Where were you guys then? But again, why wouldn't they keep piling on our plate when we sit there and go, oh, okay.
0: Right. Private
2: industry would say we don't do that.
0: Yep.
2: Well, I don't understand, ma- ma'am or sir at Target. why I want a stake right now. We don't do that. I don't care. Think about how that would go.
0: It's absolutely asinine when you, you know, the only I,
2: industry that doesn't say that,
0: right? And now that you kind of got my my wheels turning, I'm thinking about like how they want uh, caseworkers to ride with the police, yeah. right? And yeah. for when we deal with emo- emotionally disturbed people, I'm like, yeah. go for it. Like I, I was not got, not against it. Like if the guy's not committing a crime, then I have no business interacting with him. Take. Oh. You know, down here we call it a Baker Act. Take the Baker Act and put it to the mental health professionals because I don't Charlie, know what I'm doing.
2: But Charlie, what and what do we as chiefs do? Oh, and don't worry, we'll send an officer with you to secure the scene first.
0: Mm-hmm. As as opposed to waiting for you know, I mean, we're 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 preaching to the same choir, but it's absolutely insane because
2: And know, I put it and I put it in my and I put it in the book. Yeah. I'm sorry, do you want to call to the table these mental health facilities that release the person two hours later back onto the street and then they go commit a heinous act? Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, that's
2: right. Why? You see what I'm doing right now? I'm not giving you my opinion. That's a fact. Yep. Any other negotiation would say, wait a minute, he's got a point. You have to have all the stakeholders at the table. What do we as chief law enforcement officers do? No problem. Let's do it. Here's my answer. No problem, Charlie. Call me back when they're here too. Then I'll sit down and we'll discuss this policy. Good? I'm not being a jerk. Private industry does this all the time. No, I'm sorry. I can't. And I keep saying this. It's in the delivery of whatever the service may be. Okay. Stop worrying about the other stuff. Do you think Amazon gives a good, you know, GD about how many returns they have? They don't care. Oh, you're dissatisfied? All right, whatever. On to the next one. You good now? Mm -hmm. Move on. They don't. We are the ones. We're still harping on something. Did you see? I mean, on a national level, with everything going on right now, you know, some of the stuff that they're politicizing, some of the stuff. You know the the legislation that they're passing you know it's it's now a federal crime to, to not lynch somebody what are you like are you it's so out of touch and what do we do we just applaud these it just doesn't make sense to me right. and policing is starting to drive down that road which we have to we have to steer clear from
0: yeah I say do, this all the sure. time
2: if you take if you take these town hall meetings that are had that's the key right there you want to know what your community wants listen to them. But take your ego aside. If they want to run amok, well, they told you what they want then. So then what do you do? You control the veins and the arteries in and out of that, sure. But I'm saying they themselves on 123 Main Street, they want to run amok. I'm not saying to pass a blind eye to, to, to violations. What I'm saying is that doesn't mean you answer by going there and doing toy giveaways. That's not, they don't want that. Right
0: right and i i never understood that either first off it's callous pandering it, that's all it yeah. is you're you're giving nothing right i had yeah. i had a, an experience i wasn't involved this is secondhand information but they were doing a toy giveaway around christmas time into a neighborhood that was known for drug uh sales open air open air drug sales violent crimes uh just bad area right and they went and they did this toy giveaway and again, that's that's the neighborhood that you're talking about that just wants to run crazy, right? Now, little little disclaimer: I'm sh- I know that there are plenty of people that are in those communities that don't want to be part of it,
2: hundred percent.
0: But for the for the for the point of the story, so the officers go there. They're giving out. Um, I'm sorry, it wasn't toys. It was like it was ice cream cones and and bags of chips and stuff. My one buddy goes up to this kid, hands him up a uh, whatever the bag of chip was, and he goes, "Gee, thanks, fat man." or something like that. Or, Hey, fat man, give me another, like that. That was how he, and guess what my buddy did. He gave him another one because yeah, you know, why is he going to rock that boat for a little kid? But if no. that's the, that's what the kids are saying. Like if it's a little yeah. kid and super gracious and happy to be there, cool. Great. I'll, I'll give more. I, I have no, I'll never say no to a little kid, but if you're going to disrespect me and that's showing what the, uh, neighborhood's attitude is towards me, I'm out. Like that's,
2: and again, but but then our leader, our leadership component will say to you, No, Charlie, go hand out more. So that's my point. The leadership component, especially to demean yourself in a public venue. Totally demean yourself. So don't respect yourself as a man, okay? Just don't. Right. Get the water dumped on you. Get, you know, get the get the urine thrown at you. Just don't worry about it. Turn the blind eye to that. Turn the other cheek, right? but yet you're supposed to be empathetic and sympathetic to somebody who's experiencing some sort of trauma. How? You just experienced the trauma yourself from your own treatment. Mm-hmm. And that's why I keep saying the minuscule impact felt when you skip that ice cream giveaway on that community. Cause I also agree with you. I think there are good hardworking people that that's the best that they can afford. They'll appreciate you more when you can empathize with the fact that the little bit that they have was, burglarized or stolen and you could say you know I know exactly how you feel I'll do everything I can to get that back for you that will resonate way further than you fraudulently handing out you know a popsicle to somebody it's just right. a fact
0: right i can't i can't stand the the staged photographs the the forced interactions like if they don't That's want smart. to interact exactly and if they don't and and i've always said this like with coffee with a cop the people that are showing up to coffee with a cop are yeah. not your problems. Like the problems no. are never going to show up to coffee with a cop. No. Why are you continuing to make these things happen? It's doing because, nothing. You're doing if it, it. ain't crazy.
2: broke, man, if yeah. it ain't broke. That's why.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, every other Saturday uh, for a month is wasted because you're going to take guys yeah. off the road to go have a cup of coffee with people that, yeah, they support the police, but you're literally making no waves anywhere else. You are wasting your time. Right. And, on on the on the, the back side of that is if those people wanted to discuss the, something with the police you know they would come to the station and talk to you so you it's not like oh we're opening a forum for people who otherwise wouldn't no you know that they would come to the front desk they demand to speak to the chief and the chief would come down because that's what happens every other time
2: 100% yeah
0: it it's very frustrating i never understood. i'm all for community engagement and the community policing model i i support it all me uh, too as a matter of fact, one of my favorite things to do when I was on the road was to get out on my beat, walk around and talk to whoever was sitting on their porch.
2: And you learn and and, and that's more effective and you learn much more than any bogus meet and greet event.
0: Absolutely. hundred percent. Now, know. you know, know, it it's so frustrating and I know that we're going because of what everything that's happened over the past two years, you know, that because this is just what leadership that exists knows, oh, well, this is what we do. Bad things happen we go ahead we pass out ice cream cones we do these community talks uh, i was talking to a gentleman last night he's going to be on a few in a few weeks talking about gangs and they were talking about when there's a uh, rash in gang violence or gang related activities what do they do they they do a town hall meeting at the church and talk to the community members about what's going on and it affects nothing you're nope. not going to stop gang violence by getting everybody at the church and talking about, all right, well, there's a lot of shootings going on in the neighborhood. Would you all stop it? The people that are showing up are not the ones pulling the trigger.
2: They're not the ones shooting. Yeah, exactly. Instead of, like I said, I, I think it's very simple. How about instead of asking questions, how about putting out, this is what we're going to do to, you know, to uh, to interdict these types of crimes, these types of events, these types of trends that are happening. We're putting you good folks on notice. You're going to see an increased presence. This is what we're going to do to try to protect you, try to make you feel safe. See what I mean? I'm not going to explain myself to the criminal element. I'm just not. I'm not going to do it. I can explain procedure to them, but I'm not going to explain why I do what I do. You guys don't want to deal with me that way? Stop committing crime. It's simple.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when the police start getting heavy-handed, and by heavy-handed I mean, you know,
2: Basically taking
0: yeah, exactly, with enforcement, then people are gonna go, Oh, why are they in this one neighborhood?
2: Come on. And I'll explain it openly, yeah. honestly, and candidly. Exactly. I'm not afraid. No. I'm not afraid.
0: And it's I feel like that's the way we we impact crime, not yeah. any of the other ways that these people think.
2: I got into it. I'll leave you with this thought with it on this topic. Yep. I, I got into a heated debate about that. And, and the answer I got from another command level officer was, well, but the optics don't look good. I said, neither do the optics of a young child shot and killed by a stray bullet.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll
2: take the optics of us doing our job. going to tell you that for a fact. I'm not hiding from it. I will not put a campaign slogan next to it. I will explain exactly what it is that we're doing and why it is that we're doing that. No problem.
0: Yeah. Spot on. And that's, that's the kind of, Strong leadership that needs to be in the top ranks all the way down to the bottom of our police departments. I mean – But
2: the bottom won't do that unless they feel the support from the top, right? The bottom, rightfully so, and I'm not making excuses for spineless behavior, not that. Because, I mean, come on, man. You got to put your pants on every once in a while too, you know? Like a supervisor can't tell you on on how to tie your shoes. Come on, you got to take some ownership here. But rightfully so, the so-called bottom—they're not going to be emboldened if they feel like that their top-level leadership is going to sell them up the river the first chance they get. That's incumbent upon us. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's—you know—that—that actually reminds me of the very first video I saw of yours, and basically what made me go, "I need to talk to Tom," is you were talking about. Uh, in NYPD where they were getting the Chinese food dumped on them and everyone was getting, and this is before George Floyd. This was,
2: I know I said all the time, I predicted it. I predicted it would happen.
0: Yep. Yep. And you're saying, and I remember everyone, and they were getting gallons of milk and water and all that stuff dumped on them. And everyone was going, Oh, why, why aren't the police doing anything? They're just walking away. And you're like, and what you said in the video was why would they do anything else when they know they're not going to be supported?
2: And their leadership commended them for walking away. Yeah. Their leadership commended them for disrespecting themselves. Think about that. Yeah. But again, but again, better be able to flip the switch on for human dignity to someone else. No way. That's that whole chapter about Jekyll Hyde. That's what it's all about. No way. Impossibility. It's a. It's physiologically impossible.
0: Right, and that's that's where you know this whole selfless job or selfless p- career. That's where it gets bastardized because you're like, oh well, uh, they were being selfless as they you know, took that abuse. Like, no, that's, that's, it's ridiculous.
2: Yep. And that's why, like I said, you know, these things like you're talking about, that's where I said, it doesn't mean that somebody's got to agree with me, but I, I legit tried to do a trilogy of appeal, right? Primarily, of course, to help police officers, but then also to explain to families, this is why sometimes we behave the way we behave. This is sometimes the way we look, the way we look, you know, all that stuff. And then last but not least, you know, for the opposition is to say, oh, okay, hey, we're human beings, too. You know what I mean? Right. It's that's that's where it came from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the book. Uh, We talked about the why. Let's talk about the what. Um, So Kapakazi, the first chapter you have is the mission statement. Can you so what we're going to do for everyone listening, I'm going to kind of go over the chapters Tom's going to kind of give us a spark notes idea of what he's talking about in these chapters. And then at the end, you guys are going to go on to Amazon. You're going to go ahead and get yourself a copy. So uh, go ahead, Tom. So the mission statement, what's up with that?
2: So uh, I talk about, you know, a couple different perspectives, right? First off is doing your research. You stop with, you know, you want to be out there crushing, but you go to a place where the mission statement in and of itself is everything but what you swore you wanted to do. Yeah, I mean these things are out there. And and I don't mean just the thing that's hanging on the wall. I mean by talking to people, by researching, by finding out that ABC Police Department does everything opposite as to what you see yourself doing and aspire to do. And what I say is then the critical side of it to leadership is stop with your mission statement, which always has in like the first line, you know, oh, to protect the citizens uh-huh, and to uh-huh. enforce the criminal law. Where I'm like, you do everything else but mm-hmm. everything else but so I say the mission statement, if, if you find a flaw with the organization, and it's too late, you know, per se, in, in the cliche term of the word, and you're already subscribed, and you're already in, and you're already, you got the full year subscription, okay, well then you have to create your own mission statement. You should always have your own mission statement, sure. always. You don't work for a police department, you work for yourself. You work for yourself. It's just that you put the patch on and you abide by the rules and the regulations of that specific agency. But I say the loyalty part of it, it's not to the agency, it's to the industry. That's the way we have to look at it. Why do I say that? Because if I ran into a police officer in Daytona, I would treat him or her the same as I would here in New Jersey. We're loyal to the industry, not to the department. I always believe in that. If you're loyal to – if you have your own mission statement and you're loyal to the industry, you will by accident uphold the image of that specific agency or organization. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. It it comes down to figuring out what your why is and then not being unwavering to it. And that's – that's exactly what we go, you know, it's that that first question at every police interview, you know, why do you want to be a police officer? Yeah, and everyone's yeah. going to give the same canned Captain America Man, speech. And it's nonsense. I remember, well, so I've had several people, I've taken several of these interviews, and one of them was the guy was like, "You you want to work so that way you can retire, right? That's that's why you did it." Right. But Obviously, there's a reason that you even decided, let me go to the police academy in the first place. And, you know, yeah. sometimes it's out of necessity. But if you need a job that bad, you're going to go somewhere else. So I don't, I don't buy it's that. not a fact. So you need to figure out that why. And then as you're looking for police departments, don't look at who has the best car, the nicest car, the nicest uniform. Don't even say, hey, that guy's sitting in the big chair in the chief's office. I'm going to go work for him because we get that a lot in Florida. Like with Grady Judd, a lot of people want to work for him. That's great. You know, he says a lot of things that are nice in front of the camera. He's a nice guy. But. He's going to retire eventually. He is not going to be in that oh. chair forever. So what you do is exactly what Tom says is you contact officers at that agency, do a ride along if you can, but you're, they're probably going to stick you with some guy who he's, he's doing the ride along for a reason. Talk to people from that agency, get the real nitty gritty of how do you guys do business and make sure that their culture matches your culture. And that's yep. how you decide. Yep. All right, so the next chapter we have is a look in the mirror.
2: So I say, again, uh, a few levels of the approach, right? I always say to look at where we've been, right? Look at who we are and look at who we want to become. But you have to have a good sense of who are you looking at as a comparison other, right? And I say all the time, we come in with the predispositions of what we think our role model officers should look like or should appear to be like, and sometimes when we end up meeting them, we get very disappointed, right? And you know what yeah, I mean by that—not yeah, okay. in just by the way somebody carries themselves in outward appearance, but in just by indisposition, right? So what I say is all the time is the constant, the constant analysis as to look at yourself and say, how would I, how am I looking, how, how am I becoming, how am I developing, how are other people viewing me? By, by keeping this constant connection of a reflection in a very basic sense of the word, you keep in touch with not only who you are, but who you're truly aspiring to be so that it all stays in alignment.
0: Yeah. And for me, when I was, when I was brand new, there was a guy in my department and I looked up to him like he was Captain America. I mean, he right. was fit. He was the super right. cop. He was running and gunning. I was like, that's the guy I want to be. And then I got to know him and I was like okay maybe 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 not but i got to meet a guy who ended up being my supervisor much more laid back kind of un uh unassuming when you first meet him and you talk to him on a one-on-one basis and you're like wow this guy he knows who i am we converse we have a nice conversation but he knows the job really well and he can investigate the shit out of something i was like that's the guy i want to be you know what i mean so when you're looking at the mirror it's like well it's not necessarily what's on the outside. It's the same thing when you find the cop that you want to you know, emulate to. It may not be the guy that you see on the outside. Make sure you're looking through the entire being of the person.
2: And you get to remember things. You see the blemishes. You see the wrinkles. You see the scars. You see some of those things. And you say, you know, I remember that hurt. Maybe I could look out for somebody else. I remember how that hurt me. Or I can remember I got a duck when I go through that area again, because I remember I got hit once, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, again, it's that, it's that sense of connection, keeping that
0: connection. Absolutely. Yep. And- thinking of scars, right? And we're not, I mean, we're, we're talking about physical scars, but there's there's mental scars, there's emotional scars. Uh, a, a 20 to 30 year career is a long time. You get a lot of them. And you're going to remember, and this is something that I spoke to Michelle last week about, you're going to remember the person that burned you and you're going to remember how it felt and it's going to last your yep. entire career. But yes, you're also going to remember the person that treated you like a person that made you feel good and that you yep. would walk through hell and back with. So, yeah, exactly. So you definitely, you know, need to keep those scars and and that that reminder as you move along. So you yeah. kind of talked about this a little bit ago, Jekyll and Hyde, the devil we know. What what is that? That was one of my favorite chapters as I read it because I read it and I went, yeah, no, this all makes sense.
2: Well, again, like we were talking about prior to the chapter breakdowns, um, I, I I'm so tired of the mental and the background, you know, work-life, work-life, and we claim, we claim that that's in alignment when it's everything but, right? Again, we're supposed to continue to, you know, act as if, you know, we're stewards of our communities and just in blind agreement and consensus with some of these things that are going on. In that same breath, connect with that community as on what? On the human level. But we're doing everything but acting human. And what I mean by that is we're going against the grain of what the human being is meant to do. And that's to have those various senses and ranges of emotions. So I say this all the time. If you want the connection, stop. Again, just checking boxes, mm-hmm. you know. Diversity, just by basic definition of the term, we do that to a flaw. And, and guess what? We actually hurt the community. Sometimes we actually hurt the affected officer when we pluck an officer just because he happens to fit a certain demographic, and we and we force that into so that we now look more colorful. What did we just do? We screwed the pooch in mm-hmm. every perspective mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is, why can't we just stop with this and put the two into alignment? My outward appearances matches my inward appearance. What's my inward appearance? Very simple. What we're supposed to represent, and that's most people. And here's a secret. Look at what, whether staged or not, that crap that just happened at the award show at Will Smith, right? Mm. Whether staged or not. What did you see is the overwhelming reaction. Well, he reacted emotionally. I mean, uh, Chris Rock insulted his wife. It's blanketly. Well, you understand. I mean, the guy was insulted. His wife is going through a medical episode. Oh, well, gee.
0: Let's just forgive him. No more problem.
2: But I say this all the time. Whose fault is it that we don't get that same pass? Not them, us. Mm-hmm. Because we say, Charlie, no, you put the uniform on, you lose Charlie. That's the problem.
1: Yeah,
2: I say absolutely not. Allow for the human to happen. And with the human comes the majority of beauty, the majority of kindness, the majority of empathy the minority of mistakes and bad judgments. And you know what we do when that happens? We say, well, guess what? Charlie was Charlie when he came to work. Charlie was still Charlie when he put the uniform on. And Charlie was Charlie when he took the uniform off. Within that whole dilemma, there's going to be good and there's going to be bad. Mistakes of the head, mistakes of the heart, and everything in between, and we'll deal with it accordingly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what I think about when you're saying that is you have a spring. Right. Or, or like a screw, you know, and you're going to keep pushing it down and pushing it down. Like, oh, you're having a bad day. Too bad. You're you, you're not ha- you're at work. Check it out the door. Oh, you're in a fight with your wife. Push it down. You're, you're at you're at work. You can't deal with it. Just keep doing that. And then when the spring springs open and bad things happen, it's like, well, why did that happen? That doesn't make any sense. But don't even
2: go that extreme, though, Charlie. Again, just like you said, so I'm, I'm having my day. OK, problems with the missus, uh, the hot water tank went. You know, and you know, that day. So now instead of treating me like you would want to be treated as a human being, forget the cop. You just do that. Come on, we all got problems. Get out on the road. The first call for service, excuse me, is the verbal domestic, not a big deal, over the hot water tank. What's my attitude to them? Well, (laughs) whatever, man. Everybody's got problems. Come on, we got shit to do. We got got real crime to go out there and do. And you as my boss are going to say, Tom, that's the way you handled that? Well, of course I did. You just handled me that way, right? Yeah. Not yeah. hard, bro.
0: Nope, it's not It's not rocket science.
2: Now, now you get me all worked up.
0: <laughs> I see that. Um, the next one, one, one of, uh, I'm sure, your favorite sayings is, it is what it is.
2: It is what it is. And I, I cite examples in there with my daughter. I cite examples about going to the doctor myself. And goes back to what I just told you about Target and Amazon, right? Every other industry will sit there and tell you to suck the lemon, and you do. We are the only ones that will sit there and say, oh, okay, let me make that work for you. You only gave me 15 cents. I could turn it into a dollar. Again, why do we keep doing this? Why can't we just be honest and say, I am sorry. We don't have the resources for that. Why did this guy, Charlie, have the ability to drive a car through a bunch of people and kill them when his last court case isn't even finished yet? I don't know. You're going to have to ask the person that works in the court, aren't you?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, this is what I'm trying to say. Instead, what do we do? Oh, you're right. We should have actually prevented the person. We should have foreseen that this is what was going to happen and stood in front of that intersection. at that. That's that's the answers we get. Yeah. So, again, like I said, sometimes saying it is what it is. Yeah, they shot and killed that guy. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they punched the hell out of him too. Do you know why? There was obviously a very severe and significant threat. And look, and the video you're going to see is ugly. You know why? Fights are ugly. It is what it is.
0: It also kind of comes down to another another way I like saying it is what it is is like what are you going to do? Like this what are you going to do? I mean, it happened and and that's it. And
2: When I say you can't start the story in chapter 4, Right. Right. So when you see the video of, you know, whatever it may be, the chase, the crash, the, the, the assault, whatever. <clears throat> well, what precipitated that?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. What? How, how did that happen? Was this offender? Was he selling Girl Scout cookies, you know, seeing Christmas carols and the police ran up and plugged them behind the ear? I don't think so.
0: Right. Oh, no, no. And that's, that's what gets on my, my side, you know, gets, it's a thorn in my side when we talk about all these uses of forces. It's kind of, that's not the cheek thing right now. It's not big in the media, but a few years ago after George Floyd, we were seeing every single use of force was coming up and we were only seeing the three second clip where the use of force happened. And everything I said every time I was like, well, what happened up to that point?
2: But why, why would that change when our leaders aren't doing anything to contest that? Right? Scared to death. Yeah. Don't give opinion out. I agree with not giving opinion out. Notice, you'll never hear me say, oh, this guy should have been in jail. I won't say that unless the court case was, wasn't was adjudicated and he was prematurely released, I'd say that. Sure. Right. That's a fact, not an opinion.
0: Something you said during the leadership episode, as you said, when we were talking about this subject then, is um, stating facts. Like, this person was... A five-time felon this guy Was you know this guy did have A 35 page rap sheet like all These things it's the truth The same time and this is something you said as well And I just edited this part was When a cop Screws up or not even when a cop Is involved in an incident the first thing the News says is how many years he's been On what kind of discipline disciplined,
2: yeah Yeah.
0: all those things But we never hear The other side we never say well The suspect and this is what he did. He's he's had five, you know, attempted. why
2: I think that that swing swinging, my man.
0: Yeah, it started. I think people, the the public, is starting to really see the difference now.
2: But but again, that's on us. And, and and I'm proud to say, oh yeah, no, yeah, we got this officer Charlie, and he screwed up ten times before, and he makes it, and he makes you know this much money, and and he's been in the department ten years, and the suspect has been doing it longer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Suspect makes a lot of money selling drugs.
0: I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating. It's definitely frustrating to that. We accept that that's not the norm, you know, explaining the full side of it. Now you, it's like you said, the, the pendulum is starting to swing. I think we're starting to see less. I don't know the word starting to get more publicized, you know, calling the criminals, what they are as criminals, but the fact that we've gotten this far and we're only now just starting to break that surface is very frustrating.
2: Of course. But but again, we could commiserate about how frustrating it is or we could do something about advancing and making it better while we have our opportunity to.
0: Definitely. All right. So the next chapter is resiliency. That's a, that's a topic that's very big for me.
2: You know, so i i, I am very very critical constructively critical of the resiliency movement um i think that the hearts are in the right place i really do i don't think they connected their hearts and their minds though for the efficacy of these programs um i think that like i said how about we worry about resiliency prior to how about you know we we talk about the advocates that we have in, our, in the halls of our buildings that, you know, uh, every day that are experts, nonetheless, but may not be the highest test scores, right, but that, have, that are experts in life, right, that are experts in divorce, that are experts in financial troubles, that are experts in child care, that are experts in dealing with a terminal illness, a health issue. Um, so I, I often scoff at resilience when I say sometimes the mechanisms and the provisions put as part of the program. I think you need resilience to get through that. Mm-hmm. Never mind the traumatic event. And then what? The real, real the the most genuine cause of resiliency challenges is the toxicity within the four walls of the building. Don't sit there and have a a country mile of lined up experts because of a shooting that happens or a tragic death. I'm not saying that those aren't real traumas. Hear me, hear me on what I'm saying. I'm saying why don't you help me prevent some of the everyday resiliency challenges by getting treated like a scumbag inside my building?
0: Right. Absolutely. And you know, I've experienced both one-on-one right. and through other people's experience that that trauma that, you know, the the toxic work environments or the the backstabbing of your administration where, you know, you do the best job you can but you still get the shaft of it, and we can talk about the extreme cases, or we can talk about the my new cases, and it's still your ABC.
2: You you guys went through. You guys went through a, a significant tragic mm-hmm. event, right? My point is this: when the toxicity is what built the foundation to the building, so guess what? The big tragic event happened, and you might have some glimpses and some semblances of real camaraderie and solidarity at the moment, the emotional moment. But man, when the dust of that memorial service settles. You go right back to your foundation your foundation is built upon toxicity. So again, I am not negating and I am not downgrading the severity of that tragedy. I've experienced my own. I have very close, you know, we've been there, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. and probably continue will be there again. What I'm saying is, Let's make these resiliency programs based on the most prevalent threat to us. And that's the threat within the four walls of our building compared to the four corners of our district.
0: Yeah, you're spot on. You know, when when my old agency did, uh, they came out with a mental health unit probably – or five years ago and they focused on you know the this the trite things you know not not to discredit any of them but it focused on I meditation know. and yoga and all those things great you know what i mean but the the um toxic is the word i'm going to use but there was another word that i was thinking of that i lost um still prevailed you know the yeah. the the infighting and the whatever still prevailed and i was like yeah. Why put me to the point where I need to meditate and do yoga? Why not fix everything beforehand?
2: imagine that
0: it's uh it's frustrating and and you're right the uh the tragic event that we did happen or did have happen yeah everything was was all pop and circumstance and as you described in the past, you know we had patch to patch and everything was hunky-dory yeah. but the moment the dust settled, we were back to stabbing each other in the back and by we yeah. i mean administration you know and it was just no. It was terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Um all right, so the next one is built on a slideshow. Boss.
2: Well, again, this and this is no secret. That's why I call my class Ivory Tower and I refuse to, you know, teach a class at supervision 101 because that's what we keep doing. Uh, again, I say this with humility. I, I was just part of a, a local symposium and Matt, my goodness, I see some of the material put up there. And, you know, bosses are supposed to piss people off. That's what they do. And I'm like, Oh, my goodness. I said, this is the problem. Mm -hmm. This antiquated way of the widget making the micromanaging all about policy procedure and lacking on the most important component of what we do. And that's our people. What we're supposed to be doing is serving the people within our organization who then go out and serve the people of our community. If we don't understand that, then you're nothing but built on a slideshow. You have the bullet points, you have the policy procedures, the rules and the regulations, and that's your potential and your your reach as a leader. Be prepared. That's going to be the best you can do is hand out district assignments, sector assignments, uh, radios rifles and, and, and AEDs. That's going to be your, literally your effectiveness as a leader.
0: Right. And I, I, I don't think now this, this might be a a contentious point. I don't think you can make someone a leader. I think you can refine leadership skills, but if someone doesn't have it, they don't have it.
2: So I, I, I somewhat disagree because it's again, in perspective, Leadership, like I said, everybody has leadership behavior. And what I'm trying to say is because I could show you, if I spent a half hour with anybody you gave me, I could just, and they were open to having conversation. Of course, you could find a moment, you could find a time on their timeline, on their journey line that they absolutely transfer belief in other people. And that's really, that's being a leader. That's yeah. it. It's now it's now then working on the tangible thing and attendance of the behaviors outside of that one time in their life to show them how to translate that into other circumstances. So I do believe it could be a taught behavior, but no way, no how is it going to be a taught behavior if your entire environment does the opposite, right? Why? Because there's no catalyst as to why you would be that way. To step out, remember the match thing I did. Every, all the matches are burning, burning, burning. To have the one match that goes like this, there's got to be a reason to do that. So what would be the reason to do it if everybody's falling in line and just burning each other?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It, it's But then it kind of gets to the point where, let's say you do have that. Everybody's burning each other. You have one that steps out of place. What can you do at that point when you're kind of, if you want to be the outlier, if you don't want to be just like every other leader that or supervisor that goes through, you want to start making your own culture, you know, a better, healthier culture. And it's very daunting to be that one guy to do it. How do do you do it?
2: By uh, something I wish I learned a long time ago. I started to do the behavior. uh, Again, I say with humility as a sergeant what I didn't know and my god is this valuable I learned it now I'm learning it I shouldn't say I've learned it because I'm still a work in progress you gotta love yourself first because my god you're gonna get challenged as to and question yourself as to why am I doing this why am I stepping out why am I going that extra step why am I taking going the extra mile when, and when you realize you yourself are worth it, all of a sudden it comes clear, and it becomes very transparent as to why you're doing what you're doing. And my God, the return on investment when you do create that own culture—I don't care if it's amongst five people. Oh my God, it, it changes the whole dynamic and the dichotomy of the work environment.
0: Yeah, and I, I've talked to a few people that have gotten brand brand new supervision, and they're starting to get burnt out because they're they're not getting, you know, they have all this. Uh, Goodwill and all this great intention and i've talked to them and they said hey when I get to promote it This is the things i'm going to do and I was like that's that's the best i've heard like that's amazing But then yeah. he's not getting participation back from the people he's working with and you start getting burnt out from it
2: 100% but I I, I will say it takes a commitment of both time And prof- both two energies professional and personal energy Professional energy is easy. That's all you have to do is just research things, right? The personal side of it is getting those investments in people, right? Knowing who's having a baby, knowing who plays sports, knowing who's into cars. You know what I mean? Those types of things.
0: Absolutely. Two different energies. Absolutely. So the next chapter we had is the thin blue line.
2: Oh, man. (laughs) So... Yeah, I, I took a, a couple of people scoffed at me for that one because, what, it's challenging, you know, I, I guess the trademark, right? Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, and you've seen the T-shirts and the stickers and the flags. And, uh, my God, I again, this goes back to the whole toxicity. I find it quite ironic, right? I find it quite ironic that the biggest so-called proponents of this uh, got mad at me when I said, yo, it's supposed to be the Blue Brotherhood. I said, it's more like the Twisted Sisterhood, right? And then I said about the blue line is more like the blurred line. And again, you know, I referenced the funeral we went to for an officer. I mean, a husband, a father of five beautiful babies gunned down. And, and that's why I say the shoulder to shoulder, patch to patch. We're standing there sharing in that moment when just amongst the small contingency we went with were people that wished blood cancer on one another. Yeah. So I said, this to me is obnoxious how we gather for this. But yet my God, God, we sit there and the vitriol and the invective and the hatred that we spew. And I'm like, this is such a joke. Mm-hmm. And yet the public, the pu- this is where I tried to appeal to the opposition is, the public seems to believe that we have this thing of, oh, yeah, I would never screw another cop. No way, no how. Like, Meanwhile, man, we do it every own- day. I said, if you only knew, please stop saying that. You want to say some of us are silly, fine. You want to say some of us are stupid, fine. You want to say some of us make mistakes, fine. You want to say some of us should turn on our shields, fine. Stop with this perpetualization that we don't ever turn on each other. Holy God. I, I, that's why I say you've never, you never—you don't know anything about a police department.
0: <laughs> right. Sometimes a police department's one of the worst high schools you've, you've ever been to.
2: Uh, agreed. So yeah, that's a that's a good chapter, man. Yeah. I took some scoff for that one. Yeah,
0: I bet. And you know, I've experienced it. And there's yeah. there's even I see things going on on the internet daily. And I'm like, from people that I know and agencies I know, and I go, this is this is so. It makes me gag almost to know yeah. how they're per, how they're portraying and how they actually act behind when the it. cameras turn off. I'm just it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know? Next chapter is green grass. Now, this is, a, uh-huh. this is a this is a topic that I kind of experienced uh, having just yep. changed agencies a few months ago. So go ahead. Tell us about green grass.
2: Well, I, I love I mean, my buddy, Al, uh, he was uh, a god is such a mentor to me. Uh, smarter than me, man. I learned so much from him and he said it best. I stole it from him. He said, you know, only two people in the world count time backwards, cops and convicts. <laughs> and, you know, and I said, yeah, you're spot on. And it's all about the now, right? We don't ever focus in the now. It's always about why it was better yesterday or it'll be brighter tomorrow. And we never, ever, ever take into any type of appreciation and grace you know, the gifts that we have, uh, you know, at the current time. And the reason why I say it is by not ever getting a true taste of where you're at in the present, then you really don't even know what you're truly aspiring for. And you'll make that mistake I made of always on to the next, gathering your acorns, getting the next and getting the next and getting the next. All of a sudden you look around, you're dizzy and you have no sense of where you even came from because you never stop for one moment to either say, all right, I like this in the now or ah, that it is really isn't for me you never got the full benefit of the experience in the moment because you were either focused on you know the glory days or what's to come ahead or does that make sense
0: to come. absolutely and it's yeah. it's i don't know you it, it all makes sense it's just um I I'd laugh because I think of all my supervisors and all the senior cops that I worked with and they all had counters on their phone. Like, Oh, I can retire in five years, three days. And, yeah. and I'm just like, okay, but what are you going to do up until then? Like you're just going to keep watching that a watch pot never boils. Right. So you're just going to keep looking at that clock, waiting for it to get to zero. And then what you're going to miss five years of your life that way.
2: But again, but Charlie, if that was the secret, if that was the real secret, right you would then see people floating like Tinkerbell when that clock hits zero, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's where I came with this. I said, wait a minute, there's gotta be something more to this. That's not the secret.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, you're, you're spot on as always. Uh, next chapter, chapter nine is reform or refund.
2: So I do a canon analysis of this. I do uh, philosophy. I do statistically and I use tangible proofs, right? So I say all the time, uh, this is where I go into the mental health advocate part of it. Right? Sure you want to strip our budgets and immense you know invest those funds and divert those funds into mental health advocates to replace us in certain you know uh, excuse me situations i like you i love it i love it but then we have to divorce ourselves from the situation now we're no longer part of that response so again if we're going to do this we have to fully do it or we have to stop talking about it again this only became a thing because we failed to advertise the amazing work that we've done over the years almost again i say this carefully almost flawlessly and why do i say it almost flawlessly some people attack me and say are you kidding me and they cite all the mistakes we've made I understand what i mean by flawlessly i dare you to give me another industry okay another industry With the lack of resources we are provided to include (laughs) training and development not just tangible resources in terms of pieces of equipment i would like you to give me another industry that had the type of effectiveness and response to such a wide variety of unprepared for events and unpredicted non-predicted events no other industry Can even come close to us, which is why I call it nearly a flawless response to it. So before you want to go sit there and defund us and get rid of us and all that, let's just have a full picture painted first.
0: Yep. And it goes back to your private industry analysis or analogy. You know, if you go to a plumber and you say, Hey, can you uh, check out the timing belt on my car? They're going to look at you like you're crazy. Meanwhile, you take a law enforcement officer and say, "Hey, can you evaluate my mental health crisis?" Yeah, sure, no problem. I got that.
2: No problem.
0: But meanwhile, yep. a social worker, you know, who has what, maybe four plus years of training and experience in mental that. health yep. analysis.
2: Yep, yep.
0: You know what I mean? Like at most, maybe a cop will get forty hours, maybe, and then any additional that the agency may want to put them through. But that's it. Forty hours. All right, you're you're good enough to. Yeah. Uh, diagnose and treat whatever comes across your way and i I, i've always thought this is ridiculous even even to the point of like administering narcan i was like i'm not a trained medical professional like i know I, i can press the little squeegee button sure that's great but why why am i putting myself at that risk because i'm gonna if i do screw something up then it's gonna come back on me not anybody else
2: but again right did you see any press conference? Now you saw everybody run to the podiums when George Floyd happened, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You see anybody run to the podium and say, oh my God, you see nationwide. Now they expect police officers to administer medication.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And at first, the way my agency did it, they were like, oh, no, 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 that, that Narcan's for you in case you get an accidental exposure. And I said, fine, great. Save my life. I'm all for it. Then it became, hey, if you've got Narcan, help this guy out. Now it was, if you have Narcan and you don't help this person out. You are gonna get You're in, in trouble. trouble. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Where? Did, say, when did this happen?"
2: But because we did it, that's yeah. why.
0: Mm-hmm. And it, and it was for me. It wasn't like a, a swift slap in the face. It was slow, almost like the the, the frog in the pot. You know, you start cooking it, and it doesn't know it's getting cooked until it's cooked. I know,
2: and I it's, know.
0: It's crazy. All right, the next one. Choose a car. Chapter ten.
2: So this is something that's near and dear to me. I give the, um, the metaphor of a sports car and a safe, um, you know, unsuspecting sedan, right? So I say you could do the sedan one. You could start today. You could drive at 55 miles an hour in a right hand lane and, you know, it'll be comfortable. You know, you'll be good to go, right? Right hand lane, 55 miles an hour, never blast the radio, comfortable car. It'll last you for generations to come. Or, and this is all in a mindset of a career trajectory or you could take the hot sports car right you could take that thing you could jam that gas pedal and man it'll grip you to the road it'll slam into the seat and you will really feel the every bit of that road and stretch the highway out right when you get done driving that thing albeit shorter than the safe sedan right you could literally throw the keys to somebody and say you got to take that thing for a ride that's wild and why because of the potential You tested the potential. There's nothing really left that you're guessing about. So that's the analogy and the metaphor I use when I say in a career trajectory, go ahead, fearless of failure. Notice what I said. I didn't say be reckless, but I'm saying if you never tap the gas pedal, you're never going to know what you could really do. And my point is what that ultimately leads to so all too often is regret. It's the regret. Instead of putting yourself in a situation and say, hey, I tried sushi. I didn't like it. Instead of sitting there snarling at everybody who eats sushi and says, that looks disgusting. See the difference? Mm-hmm. Again, it's not – and I say this all the time. Everybody will have worked a career, but doesn't mean everybody will have had a career. It's the two differences.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, at the same time, I just want to point out that you can be a career – or mostly a full career patrol officer and feel like you drove that sports car, you know, to to some people, it's not, you know, go getting on narcs or being a a detective or SWAT or anything like that. No, it's, it's all what you're, again, it goes back to that first chapter as to look into the mirror and know what you want to do. And as long as you have a good idea of what your mission statement is, then you'll be fine. And I, you know, but I again,
2: just... so many times, but so many times people drive in circles again symbolically drive in circles and then get frustrated to find out they didn't even know where their destination was.
0: Right. It, it kind of comes down to, again, making sure that you know what your mission statement is and then being happy within it. And I've never enjoyed and I've never kind of. Treaded water, you know. I've always yeah. wanted to test out and see what's going on. I may get in my head a little bit and kind of overthink a yeah. situation before Everybody doing it, right? But once I'm fully committed, it's almost to the point of embarrassing how much I get fully involved in something just because I get that excited about it. I get it, and I think that's how this career and any career needs to be. If you're not, if you don't yeah. feel that way going to work every day, you're you're wasting your time. I think. What's that? And the last chapter in the book we have glass half full or half empty.
2: So again and you know me now for a bu- for a while it's all about the mindset, how you're looking at things. And I reference a story in there of a fella I met that inspired me because You know it was always like that was taking those little chances but knowing how to do it with an interaction so i was talking about the fill and spill right everywhere you go having a cup in your hand a symbolic cup in your hand that you know you spill out some of your good stuff onto them and into their cup and you fill up your cup with some of their good stuff and you keep a balanced cup that way unfortunately when we don't do this the right way especially if you were guilty like me of constantly filling your cup The problem is, is that cup tends to spill. And where does it spill all too often? Onto the people that we purport to love. It rarely spills into our own lap. We spill it onto other people, which isn't fair because these are the people that we swore to love and that we want them there when we finish our race, right? When we finish our race and like you just said, oh man, I left my agency and what I'm replaced within a few minutes. Well, look at what we come back to now. We come back to a shell of what we uh, of what we built, right? Yep. So keeping that balanced cup so that when you get to the end of the race, your cup is still filled with some good stuff. It's balanced. What is it filled with? Not all of what you did. Some of the stuff you took along the way, the good stuff. But you also had a safe space to spill out some of your bad stuff so that you can keep that balanced cup.
0: You know, I think about... You know, They talk about how you're going to take care of different people, and it's it comes back to make sure that you're good, you're taken care of before you try to take care of other people. That's yeah. Airplane
2: I, theory, airplane theory, right? Why do those things come down and they tell you to don your own mask before you can help anybody else?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think far too often we try to pour from an empty cup, we try That's to fine. help other people before we take care of each other or Guilty. ourselves. That's just a bit, yeah. All right, so that is the book. That is kapikaze in a nutshell everybody where can they get kapikaze?
2: So uh, I, I proudly you know thanks to my man Shamil, he, uh, he was the audio engineer. We did the audio book as well where I narrated it. Uh, the guy is a savage with audio t- engineering. I mean it's wild. It came out so professional so professional I couldn't be happier with it. So it's available on audiobook. Uh, on Amazon, uh, which is the easiest way to get it. Uh, Barnes and Noble, Target, but um, like I said, Amazon is probably the easiest way. And then uh, whenever I travel, I always bring you know a couple cases with me. Uh, so if I ever you know go to a class or something like that, I'll always have some copies readily available. And I uh, built a sticker and a decal that goes along with it now, so it's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, it is cool. I, I saw that uh, you just were advertising it. Very cool. So Tom, yeah. this was great. Uh, You're a wealth of knowledge I feel like I learn something every time I hear you talk Uh, You've now been on the show three times I really appreciate all the wisdom you've shared
2: yeah, man, your friend your friendship's a gift. I tell you that much.
0: I appreciate that absolutely. Next time you're down in Florida, you let me know. I know uh, I think you said you're going to be right in my neck of the woods coming soon, so just
2: Yeah, man, we're doing we're doing a real estate run. So wish oh, me okay. luck.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. To to sell or to buy.
2: To buy. I have oh, a piece okay. of property that we're getting rid of and uh not where I want to be. So um yeah, and we're we're going to be checking out the West Coast now.
0: Okay. Let me know, man. I'll I'll link up with you. Um so now we're going to switch gears. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick your brain and see what you got. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be okay. playing Street Cop, Family Feud. Okay. All right, so let's take a quick break, and we will be right back. Did you know that in the years 2017 to 2018, the American obesity rate was over 42%? Did you further know that police officers are 25% more likely than the average American to die from obesity-related illnesses? These are diseases like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and high blood pressure. So what do we do? Do we continue to stay victims to shift work and terrible nutrition options while going call to call? Or do we do something about it? Well, I decided to do something about it, and that's why I started working with Nick Wall Nutrition. Nick is one of less than 100 professional nutritionists in the entire United Kingdom and has worked with many professional athletes from soccer, rugby, cricket, and even Team Great Britain. And all of his plans are backed by pure scientific evidence. Eating the foods you love and losing weight doing it. No fad diets, no pills, no powders, and no god-awful detox teas. Nick is the real deal and was named Nutrition Specialist of the Year for the year 2019 to 2020. Check him out on Instagram at NickWallNutrition or NickWallNutrition.com and join Nick's team and change your life. Welcome to the Family Feud. We have Street Competition Family Feud. Joining me, of course, as the guest for the show today, we have Tom Rizzo. Once again, thank you very much for the talk we had today about your book, Kapikaze. Everyone go pick it up. And our guest, our returning champion, is from the great state of Indiana, Kenny the Red Ninja Williams. What's going on? How are you guys? We're good. We just had a long conversation about everything that is wrong and needs to be changed in policing. It was absolutely amazing.
1: Yeah, so Tom,
2: let's hope that this goes better.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this is this is gonna be good. I got I got Tom going. I saw the vein come out on his forehead. He was he was going. <laughs> so here we go. We have Family Feud. Uh, we just came up with all these questions. So first question. Everybody's ready for their positions. Here we go. Top five answers on the board. Here we go. Ready. What is a cop's favorite movie? Kenny, go ahead. Die Hard. Die Hard. Do we have it on the board in the top five? All right, Tom, what is a cop's favorite movie?
2: Training Day.
0: Training Day. Do we have Training Day on the board? Number two with 13. All right, so we're going to go with Tom. And you're going to try to fill the board. We have the top five answers on the board. What's your next right, guess? I'm going
2: to say, I'm gonna say uh, Dirty Harry.
0: Dirty Harry. Is Dirty Harry on the board? <laughs> nope. Strike one. All right. All
2: right. Uh, way well, I get three strikes, right? Yep,
0: you get three strikes. Go ahead.
2: All right. Um, how about Beverly Hills uh, Cop?
0: Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> All right. You got one more strike.
2: All right. Okay. Um, uh... Oh man, um, oh my gosh, my uh favorite cop movie trained yeah, I said training day, yeah, um,
0: three, two, one, I'm out, yeah all right, we are going back to Kenny to see if he can steal the win away from Tom. Tom only had one guess on the board, and it was training day that which was number two with thirteen points kenny what what do you have? What is a cop's favorite movie? End of watch. End of watches. End of watch. Of oh forward. shit! Survey says thirty-six points for the top answer. All right, let's see what that was that... the top. That was the top. Yeah, bunch of bunch of millennial baby cops. They're all saying it's. Well, you didn't watch.
2: tell you didn't tell me that was the audience. It's
0: just I asked a hundred cops, and they the the ones that answered like Tombstone and thing, Die Hard, Miami Vice. Those were all the older ones, but they did make the list, just not the top five. Let's see what the rest of the top five were. Uh, number five, the other guys with uh, Will Farrell and Mark Wahlberg. Number four, Bad Boys and Bad Boys Two, kind oh, yeah. of. Oh yeah,
2: that's that, that's what I was. Okay, yeah, yeah. I go with that. All right.
0: Okay. Number three, Super Troopers. Oh, that's. And then the other two were like we said, uh, Training Day and end of watch okay so the end of round one we have kenny leading with 36 points and tom has 13 points only one answer apiece for both of them they are going to make it up now with our second question all right so this question is what is a cop's favorite thing to collect tom go ahead patches patches do we have patches on the board survey says 31 points for that one that's the top answer so we're going to go back to tom and we're going to see kenny just wait for a minute with us and we're going to see if you can get the rest we've got the top four answers on the board so you've got number one what is a cop's favorite thing to collect guns do we have guns on the board survey says correct there are nine cops that said that they collect guns all right what is the next one we've got we got the number one, and we've got the number four. What else do cops collect? Coins. Coins. Do we have challenge coins? Survey says 18 for challenge coins. All right, we've got one more on the board for you, Tom. It's going to be the number three answer. What? Um, uh, I'm sorry, the number two answer. What is the number two answer? What is a cop's favorite thing to collect? Um, three.
2: St- stories. <laughs>
0: stories oh. is stories on the list survey says
2: stop laughing at me kid i told you he was on the list
0: <laughs> all right um uh, go ahead try books another one.
2: books books Are
0: books on the list strike two all right what about one more give me one more tom um three two one
2: oh,
0: no okay and now we're gonna go to kenny see if he can get Some points out of this round what is a cop's favorite thing to collect we're looking for the number two answer
1: i'm gonna go with stickers
0: stickers all right stickers on the board no but actually someone did say that but it was only one answer i got for that all right here we go here is the number two answer this one you guys wouldn't have got it it's it's pretty funny what's a cop's favorite thing to collect ex-wives
1: I was going to go with women, but I didn't think that would be an acceptable answer.
0: (laughs) No, no, it it definitely
1: made
0: (laughs) made the list. All right, so we have completed two rounds, and Tom is now in the lead. Hold on one second. Let me get out the fancy calculator. Damn you, Tom. All right, so right now we go into round three. Tom has 71. Kenny has 36. And we're going into the last question before we go into the fast money round. All right, gentlemen, are you ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. To start the third round, we have the top six answers on the board. Top six answers on the board. Here we go. What is a cop's least favorite radio call to answer? Kenny, go ahead. Dead body. Dead body is dead body on the list. Yes, death is on the list. With six points though, it's at the bottom of the list. So Tom, you can steal the re- or you can steal control of the board if you can get it's something higher. Kid. All right, what do you got? <laughs> What is a cop's favorite, or sorry, least favorite radio call to respond to?
2: Domestic.
0: Domestic. Is domestic on the board? Survey says 18 points for domestic. It is not the top answer, but it is the number three, no, number two answer. So yes, you do get control of the board. So let's see what we've got. Tom, what is a cop's least favorite radio call to answer?
2: Uh, EDP.
0: Let's see. Do we have EDP on the board? Survey says... Yes, that is the number four answer with six points. So we've got... Right now we've got the domestics, we've got dead bodies, and we've got an EDP or a crazy person if you're not from the Northeast. What else do we have? What is a cop's least favorite radio call? Overdose. Overdose. Do we have overdose on the board? Survey says... Nope, no overdoses on the board. Traffic crash. Traffic crash. Do we have traffic crash? This one almost made the list. It had four points, but it did not make the list for the round. So unfortunately, (laughs) that one as well. All right, we've got one more for you, Tom. What is a cop's least favorite radio call to respond to?
2: Animal complaint.
0: Animal complaint. No, those pesky animals. Uh, nope, those did not are no. you crazy? Who are you polling, bro? <laughs> they all they all made the list, but not to the to the uh to the answer board. All right, Kenny, this is this is your chance, man. If you can get I gave them all the good ones. If you can get the number one answer on the board, you could no, I don't think you can steal the game, but <laughs> we at least i will get you some more points. Kenny, what is a cop's least favorite? call to respond to
2: crimes against children oh that's a good one
0: all right crimes against children is that on the board yes it is that's the number one answer 23 Ah. points for that one so that was it all right so that concludes round three let's take it back to the tally and see where we're at
2: if i was in my office i could show you i got this picture of this elf for christmas
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing it's an amazing elf
0: Oh yes, you know I think I've seen that elf actually.
1: It's in my office, bro.
0: (laughs) All right, so at the end of round three, we have Kenny with sixty-five points, and Mr. Tom Rizzo he won the game with ninety-five points. Let's go ahead and see what the other calls were on this on the board. We had number three was civil calls. So, any kind of civil service or uh, civil complaints. And number four, sexual assault or sexual battery cases. So, that concludes the three main round questions. And now we are going to do fast money with Mr. Tom Rizzo. See if he can uh, rack up the points at the end. We're going to put a minute on the clock. You ready for this, Tom? Sure. All right, here we go. All right, Tom, what is something all cops keep on their bedside? gun. What is the number one reason firefighters hate cops? Because we're polar. What is the most overused cop joke that citizens say to them? Donuts. What is Dennis Menino's favorite thing in the world? Himself. <laughs> <laughs> and what is the most important tool a cop has? His mouth. And the last question, what do cops hate worse? Missing lunch, going home late, or being dispatched to the most calls?
2: I'm missing lunch.
0: Alright, that concludes Fast Money. Let's take a look. We'll see how you did. All right, we're going to go back up. That was a good job. That was a good run, actually. All right, so the first question we had was, what is something all cops keep at their bedside? You said, gun. Survey says, top answer was 67 points. The next question was, what is the number one reason why firefighters hate cops? You said, because we're cool as shit. Survey says, 26 points, because the top answer was jealousy against cops so you're right because they're jealous of cops next question what is the most overused cop joke that citizens say to them and you said donuts survey says three okay so that was not the top answer we'll go over that in a minute the next question was what is dennis benino's favorite thing in the world you said himself survey says five points for that one uh that was not the top answer though we'll go to that in a minute the next one was what is the most important tool a cop has? You said his mouth. Survey says 36 points for that one. And the last one, what do cops hate worse? Missing lunch, going home late, or being dispatched to the most calls? And you said missing lunch. Survey says 29 points to that, not the top. So we have a few that didn't get to the top. All in all, an amazing outing. Kenny, do you want to try your hand and get to these top points that Tom missed? Yep. All right. All right. We're going to go <laughs> back through the list. We'll see how we how we stack up at the end. Here we go. Hold on. Let me get the timer back up. All right. Here we go. T- uh, sorry. We got Kenny going for fast money. Here we go. All right. Kenny, what is something all cops keep at their bedside? Flashlight. What is the number one reason firefighters hate cops? Because
1: they get to carry guns.
0: What is the most overused cop joke that citizens say to them? I didn't do it. What is Dennis Benino's favorite thing in the world? His kids. And what is the most important tool a cop has? His brain. And the last question, what do cops hate worse? Missing lunch, going home late, or being dispatched to the most calls?
1: Dispatched to the most calls.
0: All right. That's it for Fast Money. Let's see how you did. You got a couple of the number one answers, and then uh, we still missed a couple of them, so we'll go over that as well. So the first one was... What is something that all cops keep at their bedside table? You said flashlight survey says two points for that. Uh, The second top answer was their phone. And then after that, we had condoms, alcohol, and melatonin, all of which three people said for those, Uh, what is the number one reason firefighters hate cops? You said, because we get guns survey says eight, eight points for that one. The top answer for that was jealousy. The second one was they're, they're upset because they're second responders. And the third answer was because women love us more. The next question was, what is the most overused cop joke that all citizens say to them? You said it wasn't me or I didn't do it. Survey says top answer with 89 points. Jeez. The other two that didn't even make a showing were take me with you and I pay your salary. The next question was, uh, what is something that Dennis Benino or what is Dennis Benino's favorite thing in the world? You said is kids. Uh, if people weren't uh, sarcastic assholes, I'm sure that would have been a much higher choice. That was two points. <laughs> the number one answer was training or teaching, uh, and then they had passenger side approach, arm day, and Twizzlers and White Claws.
2: <laughs> Twizzlers and White Claws. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Those were the the other top answers. The next one is what's the most important tool that a cop has you said their brain survey says that is the most important that was the top score with 41 points and the final question was what do cops hate worse missing lunch going home late or being dispatched to the most calls you said getting uh dispatched to the most calls survey says 22 points for that the number one score or the number one answer was going home late so things may have changed with the fast money performance let's take a look at it all right So here we go. We have the final score guys. Here we go with coming in. Second place is Kenny Williams. So he does not defend his throne for another, another battle short-lived
2: championship.
0: It was, it was Mr.
1: Tom got lucky.
0: (laughs) So this one, Kenny won. Uh, Kenny had 229 points in total and Tom, the new champion, 261 points. He is the new street cop family feud champion. Congratulations.
2: That's it, man I I'm a, and now I'm going to I want to say on the record I'm going to retire while I'm on top
0: <laughs> <laughs> going out like Jordan yeah. after after the after the uh the last championship awesome guys I really appreciate you uh having having a little fun with me and Tom, again, thank you so much for your time, for your, uh,
2: like I answers. said, bro, thank you so much for having me and, uh, no BS. Obviously you've heard what I have said about Kenny before. He's one of my favorite humans. So being able to, you know, see his face is all right by me, but really Charlie continue doing what you're doing, bro. Um, I, I truly, I genuinely appreciate it. I, I really do from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. Thank you very much, Kenny. Go back to your rest. Good job. Uh, catching, uh, I don't know. I, th- I think it was like red gun squad. <laughs> and he was, he was taking something He was, he was smuggling uh, cannolis or something Anyway, thanks a lot guys Everyone listen, stay tuned I'll be right back to close this all up Thank you Are
2: we going up Like just
0: going down
2: It's just a matter of time Until we're all found out Take our tears Put them on
1: ice Cause I swear I'd burn the city down To show you the light We're the therapists Pumping through you just what you need. lie. I'll keep singing this lie. Are we growing up or just going down? It's just a matter of time until we're all found out. Take your tears, put them on ice. Cause I swear I'd burn this city down to show you the
0: light.
1: I'll
0: be honest, everybody. One of the coolest things since starting this podcast has been the ability to interview people that I look up to. And today's episode was no different. Tom Rizzo, since I found him years ago on Street Cop Training, has always been someone that I just in aspire to be. I mean, he is just a brilliant man, well-spoken. You know, he's his, his neck to shoulder to Arm muscle to he's just he's built like a freaking Adonis. Like, if I he's who I want to be when I grow up, absolutely. And the chance to uh sit down and talk to him and kind of pick brain and just kick it back and forth and then share it with you guys is a dream come true, it truly is. And that I can say that about just about every single episode that I've put out for you guys. So it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor to provide you guys with this source of entertainment hopefully you guys enjoy it if you guys do enjoy it this is where it's a give and take relationship i want you guys to rate review subscribe and share my episode and my show to all your buddies all your buddies just show them hey this is a cop podcast that is really down to earth that gets it cares about your brain cares about having a good time It's got some cool music on it throughout it. I mean, you can't really go wrong with it. And he's got some cool merches too. Uh, If you want to go on to 10-8-memes.ecwid.com, you can buy some of his stuff there. Lots of cool stuff. He just restocked a whole bunch of stuff too. So you're probably going to want to go check that out. That's what you should probably say to your buddies. I'm not telling you what to say, but if I were you in your shoes, that's how I would say it to my friends. If I had friends, I don't. I just have an empty room, a computer, a microphone, You know, the dog is sleeping on his bed, so I guess we'll count that as not alone in this room. Whatever. Anyway, thus concludes this show today, folks. Thank you so much for checking it out. Thanks again to Tom Rizzo. Thanks again to Kenny Williams. And as always, thank you to Street Cop Training for uh, sponsoring me, supporting me, and helping me carry through on my mission just a little bit more each and every day. The music for today's show, we started it with the 10A theme song, as always. Then we went into the Year of the Boomerang by Rage Against the Machine, as uh, requested by Tom Rizzo. Then we just had Fallout Boy, Sophomore Slump, or Comeback of the Year. And we're going to wrap it up with NF, The Search, which, take a listen to that song, man. It, I was listening to it today as I was driving home, and I was like, man, this is this is a good song. It really is. I, I'll just leave it with that. Next week we have a very special presentation brought to you by the people at the Resiliency Project. Go check them out and uh, resiliencyproject.info. This is a it's a very serious story out of Alabama. We talked to Sergeant Keelan Darby. And we talk about our husband Ben Darby and the situation that they've endured for the past several years. Absolutely, I mean, if it doesn't knock you on your ass and make you want to go do something, uh, you're you might be a sociopath. It's just it's crazy, especially being in this line of work, um, or being familiar enough with the line of work to be listening to this show. It's gonna hit you in the feels and uh, gonna drive you to action, cause it did for me. So we got Keelan Darby with Stand with Darby tomorrow um, next week. I'm sorry, next Thursday. And then coming up down the road, we've got Thimble. Scribble, uh, a cartoonist from Canada. We're going to talk about policing in Canada. We talk about her cartoons. Then we have Gangs with B.C. Sanders followed by Punk Rock Cops 2. And then we're going to have another street cop instructor on, Sean Grogan, going to be talking about body language. So we've got a lot of good stuff coming up and even more further down the way. So stick with me guys good stuff coming and uh you know you as long as you guys keep listening I'll keep churning out these episodes that's kind of what it's down to all that being said guys that concludes today's episode thank you so much support us as always any way you can and we will see you next time take care of each other stay safe until next time friends 10-8 out
1: hey Nate how's life I don't know it's alright I've been dealing with some things like every human being and really didn't sleep much last night I'm sorry that's fine this concerns me picking up the cues right i'm quite nervous hate it when i lose sight life gets blurry and things might hurt me it's probably gonna be a long journey but hey. it's worth the it, thought cold world out there kids grab your coat spend been a minute i know now i'm back to wrong looking for the antidote to crack the code Pretty it, I'm in classic mode Don't need pity given to me, but I can't condone Talking down to me, I'ma have to crack your nose for cracking jokes I'm looking for the map to hope, you see that? Been making a whole lot of changes Wrote a song about that, you should play it I get scared when I walk on these stages I look at the crowd and see so many faces Yeah, that's when I start to get anxious That's when my thoughts can be dangerous That's when I put on my makeup and drown in self-hatred Forget what I'm saying and... Where the beat go? Some drums came in, you ain't see that coming Hands on my head, can't tell me nothing Got a taste of the fame, it'll my stomach Throw it back up like I don't want it Wipe my face, clean up my vomit OCD trying to pull my buttons, I said don't touch it, now y'all done it, I can be critical, never typical, intricate with every syllable, I'm a criminal, intimate but never political, pretty visual, even if you hate it, i make you feel like you're in it though, you call me what you want to but never call me forgettable, leave your even thought, I can never swim in the kiddie pool, Waited, I've been thinking, the cinematic is beautiful, man, I don't know if I'm making movies or music videos, 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 yeah, the sales can rise, doesn't mean much though, when your health declines, see we've all got something that we trapped inside, that we try to suffocate, you know, hoping it dies, try to hold it underwater, but it always survives, and it comes up out of nowhere like an Evil surprise, Then it hovers over you to tell you millions of lies You don't relate to that? Must I be as crazy as I am The point I'm making is the mind is a powerful place And what you feed it can affect you in a powerful way It's pretty cool, right? Yeah, but it's not always safe Just hang with me, this'll only take a moment, okay? Just think about it for a second, if you look at your face Every day when you get up and think you'll never be great You'll never be great, not because you're not, but the hate will always find a way to cut you up and murder your faith I've been developing, take a look at the benefits Nothing to matter with, I can never be delicate My even relevant? That depends on you measure it Take a measurement to back it up and give me the evidence Pretty evident, dependable can. Never be tentative, I'm a gentleman, depending on if I think you're genuine Pretty elegant, but not afraid to tell you to get a grip proper etiquette, I keep it to myself when I celebrate huh? Huh? It's that time again, better grab your balloons and invite your friends See, bounce back on, yeah, strap them in Look at me, everybody, I'm smiling big On a road right now that I can't predict Tell me, tone that down, but I can't resist Y'all know that sound, better raise your fist The search begins, I'm back, so enjoy the trip huh, huh?